0: As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. It's another edition of Your Financial Mission, Walter Storholt, alongside Janine Theus, CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors, your financial commander here on the show. Hey, Janine, how's it going this week? Hey, Walter, we're
1: doing great. It's a gorgeous day outside, a good fall day. Yesterday we had uh, tornado warnings and lots of rain, but it was warm, so (laughs) it always makes that interesting. But uh, today it's gorgeous. uh,
0: we're recording today after the uh, after Halloween. So, did you get any uh, trick or treaters? Well, yesterday? we got
1: one because of where we live. We have a, uh, everybody has a big yard, but and the neighborhood uh, next to us is much denser. So, everybody goes over there to trick or treat. But we had one person come, and then that storm just unleashed. So, we didn't have anybody else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I made my husband so take did all the candy. That one person did they get a bunch of candy? That one.
1: Person? Oh yeah, we threw it. We threw them in their buckets, and then I had my husband take their bag to work. <laughs>
0: nice nice so we did that one year we had the uh the the pumpkin the bucket like a pumpkin bucket and had all the candy in there and nobody came it was the first year that we had moved into our first home so we were really excited like oh maybe we'll get trick-or-treaters this year and nobody came nobody came nobody came so we were just about to turn in for the night and we finally actually got a knock at the door and so there was one kid there with their mom and dad down at the end of the driveway. And we we're like, oh, they must've made it up to our street, you know, and and tried one last home or something. Oh, so we just gave him the entire bucket. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, we don't need all this candy. So, uh, we, and, and he already had like a full, you know, knapsack or whatever. So we were just like, here, have this whole pumpkin bucket. It already looks great. And he was like, thanks. And then ran down the driveway and the parents were like, oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: That's too funny. So, I know my grandma. The kid uh, made out like a bandit. Uh, my my daughter just sent a. It looks like a bowl full of candy, and she said, "Ah, these little little kids in our neighborhood are such wussies." I, she said, "I'd be sweating for that candy in 30 degree weather."
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's too too good. So. Way too good. Well, glad that uh, you made it through the storms all right, and now it's truly feeling like uh, fall outside, yeah. and it'll be short-lived and it'll be winter before we know oh yeah around the corner we are well prepared uh speaking of being well prepared part of having a great financial plan is being willing to have some awkward conversations and so we're going to do that on today's show we're going to talk about some of these awkward conversations that you should be having with your loved ones and significant others and uh, we'll dive into that conversation coming up in a few seconds plus a great question today from beth about IRA, and it bouncing up and down and wondering what to do, all of that and more straight ahead on today's show. But first, let's see what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. So here's a little headline for you, Janine, and I actually have to make an amendment to what I had originally planned to throw at you today because of, uh, you know, some news just came down right as we were getting ready to record today. So my original question to you was going to be, what's your opinion of the health insurance market? and how to best address costs, because as we kind of watch these different presidential debates, it seems like there's kind of a different solution all the time being presented. Seems to change every couple of weeks, and then not even every candidate had released their plan yet. We did just get Elizabeth Warren's plan proposing, and this is a New York Times headline that just came out, Elizabeth Warren proposes $20.5 trillion healthcare plan, including Medicare for all, big taxes, on the rich and the billionaires and businesses. We don't have to get into all the nitty and gritty at this exact moment of that particular plan. But just as a whole, as you kind of look at the uh, different presidential candidates and kind of how we do seem to be all over the map when it comes to finding healthcare solutions, what's your own personal opinion about the health insurance marketplace and how to address costs like that?
1: Well, I think first off, let me just say that the candidates that are currently vying for position – apparently can't do math and neither can the media because the CNBC article on Elizabeth Warren's plan puts it at 52 trillion you know, for her healthcare plan. And let me just say for everyone, there is nothing so expensive as something that is free. So mm-hmm. be forewarned. The health insurance market could, and I know there's some plans in the works to fix some of these things, if we had, for starters, across state lines competition you would see prices go down because then these different insurers would have to compete for your business just as auto insurers do. So that's one thing I know that's being discussed. It's been discussed, you know, for quite some time, but we might actually see something like that happen. One of the other reasons for such discrepancies in costs... There was a great article that Cheryl Atkinson did. She interviewed a woman from Montana and what this woman did, and she really had to fight the powers that be to get this to happen. But hospitals do not know what their actual costs are. So they just put numbers out there. And so what she went through and she started doing all the math and saying, this hospital's charging this for these things, this hospital's charging this for these things. And there was no, there was no center ground for what something might cost. So that's a factor. We need to get a hold of what things actually cost. And that means the legislators in each state need to put some pressure on these different services that say, what are your actual costs? Because that doesn't seem to be in the picture anywhere in the discussions. The other part of health insurance that a lot of people are concerned about is the price of drugs. And I was just talking with someone recently about that. And I said, if you think about this, when you have global markets, there's not a lot of competition because the company that is a global company sets the prices. So why is it we're paying, you know, what is it? I don't know, $400 for an EpiPen here in America. Whereas in Europe, it's 20 bucks or it's, you know, maybe it's 30 bucks, but over in South America, it's 10 bucks. It's because the globalist company sets the price. So some of that needs to stop. And I think that's one of the things that is happening in this whole discussion of how do you, how do you change health insurance, the costs, and, and bring the market to a more competitive level so that people actually know what things cost, participate in some of those costs. Because honestly, if you have really good insurance, do you really track the costs? Not at all. Not at all. And I mean, I can give you a perfect example. When I had back surgery in 2010, they got me up and two young ladies came and took me down to the next room and I had to go up and down like three stairs. They charged 250 bucks for 15 minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: didn't need them to help me go up and down the stairs. Yeah. And when I complained to the insurance company, they said, well, that's just what, you know, that's just how it is. I'm like, that's... <laughs> I'm calling, (laughs) I'm raising the BS flag on this because that's what's driving up costs. But Tom, you know, if you're stuck in the hospital, because this actually happened to my husband, he was in the hospital, originally it was kidney failure and then, you know, diverticulitis and, and such things. There was a doctor who I did not know was not on any of the doctor plans or whatever plan for the care, walked into the room, I wasn't there, and hit him with an insulin into the glucose bag. The nurse was livid when we found out because he started seeing double and being dizzy. and He's not diabetic. Oh, wow. And so she started doing all this stuff. And uh, so when I protested, I said, what was this doctor doing in the room? And they said, and my guess, nobody would answer me, of course, and my guess was because she made an entrance into the room and did something, she would get paid by the insurance company. So there is a lot of that Mm. that adds to medical costs. And so, you know, none of these people, the candidates, have an answer to this because fixing health care or the health insurance market is a bigger, more complex, convoluted issue to address than just saying, I'm going to give you this health care plan. It's Medicare for all, which, by the way, if you want Medicare for all, talk to the people who run Medicare who can't get served because the government's not reimbursing the doctors.
0: Yeah, and then I agree with you though. It seems like insurance isn't really the problem. That's like fixing the, that's treating the symptom, but not the problem, right? Right, like that's that's like okay. Well, you have a cold, so there's nothing we can really do about the cold, but we'll at least make you sniffle a little less, right? We want to actually fix the cold, and that's just lower the regular cost, the the initial issue, the underlying issue.
1: Well, yeah, right, and so the other thing that people should. Take to heart is when someone says they're not going to raise middle class taxes to do all of this. Well, America is different from every other country in the world because we have a very large middle class. And in fact, the middle class is what pays most of the taxes. It isn't the billionaires and whatever, and the uh, hundred millionaires. They pay taxes. They do. But you could take all of their money and still only run the government for eight months. So the middle class is the one that will be most affected by a a poorly managed health care system because we're the ones most affected by that. And that's a big yeah. deal. And so anytime somebody promises, you know, Medicare for all, free health care, people deserve this, people whatever, the poor do get health care. It's called Medicaid. And that was built specifically for the poor. And so Medicare for all is an absolute disastrous plan that puts us on a plan like Canada's or the UK's. And in fact, I was just talking with a client yesterday who came in. He's got relatives in Canada. He was Canadian born and one of his relatives could not see a doctor for seven months. And by that time, the cancer had spread so far, it was untreatable. So that's what you're asking for when you want universal care, which is what this would be. So yeah,
0: to uh, to end to end this conversation on a fun light note, I was just scrolling through uh, through Twitter, looking at reaction to the plan. To the plan. Just you know, not the not that there's any like you know, again, it's Twitter, so you don't want to actually you know take away opinions from here. But I just thought that this made me chuckle was. Uh, Oh no! Now I scrolled past it. Here we go. Elizabeth uh, Warren's plan is very simple. It's healthcare, brought to you by your local DMV. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. I don't care who you. I don't care who you are. That's that's funny. funny.
1: Exactly right. But I think you know. Yes, we can fix the health insurance market, but there needs to be some. Um, it's a real sit down with the insurance companies because a lot of care right now is being driven by the insurance carriers through the use of software. Yeah. And um, that was a conversation with someone who is a software developer for healthcare. So, yeah, there's a. This is a much more complicated issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just have yep. to keep that in mind.
0: I hope it gets a lot of attention over the next couple of debates. I'm sure it will. Now that more of the uh, plan details from the various candidates have been released, so yeah. we'll see what kinds of discussions come out of that. I'm all for a marketplace of ideas. So it's interesting to see them when they get proposed. Absolutely. And, and just uh,
1: keep in mind, there is math involved. So you have to do the math. That's
0: right. <laughs> that's right. There you go. Exactly. Uh, That's an interesting headline to discuss. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that in the coming months. Uh, Let's move on and talk about some of those awkward conversations that need to be had when it comes to your financial planning. And I think sometimes being a good financial advisor, Janine, probably means you having those uncomfortable conversations with people, especially if maybe they've been unwilling to have them in the past. And so I want to look at how advisors should help clients navigate tricky situations. And if you're going to work with a financial advisor, make sure they're pushing you to address these kinds of topics. Uh, One that comes to mind, certainly, Janine, is uh, unfortunately talking about the death of the first spouse. You know, when that happens, what are you going to do? How is that going to affect the financial plan? This is something more than anything. People like to kind of bury their heads in the sand over.
1: You know, they really do unless they have seen it firsthand. They have a relative who's lost a spouse or a very good friend who's lost a spouse and the changes that come. When it's an unexpected death, the emotion of that lasts for a long time. And it's really hard to, it's really hard to do math and make some pretty big decisions. So it's very helpful to have a conversation of the use with what ifs. If this happens, what do you expect will happen next? What do you want to have happen next? Can your financial plan withstand an early, you know, premature death? And a lot of people don't want to go there because, you know, it is very emotional. It is very private. But the numbers are the numbers. And and to illustrate this point, um, I was having a conversation with an attorney and his wife, and he had some life insurance. And I said, if something happens to you tomorrow, what is she supposed to do? Well, she'll just cash in, you know, she'll just get the life insurance. And I said, well, what should she do with the life insurance? Well, she'll pay off the house. And then I said, and where does the income come from? Because you're the breadwinner. You're the primary breadwinner. You're the big dog. And now you've paid off the house, but you have no income. And he hadn't really thought about it that way. So it was good to just kind of put a lot of these things in perspective so that they could actually... I guess, change, not really change their plan, but at least start to develop a different plan for the world. And and, and at least
0: have the conversation, be on the same page. Yeah,
1: because everybody thinks they're going to live forever until you don't. And the day you don't is the day you're going to find out whether your plan actually works or not.
0: That's a good point. So that's one one awkward conversation that needs to be had. Another one is, uh, what happens if nursing home care is needed? Janine, again, yeah, don't really want to talk about it. Would rather pretend that it's not going to happen. Yeah,
1: I've had some very funny conversations with folks, including a doctor who said, she just leaned back in her chair and said, I'm just going to die. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you just know, snap my I always go back to that scene from Josie Wales, which I don't know if you've seen the movie, but the chief in the movie lays down on the ground and looks up at the sky, and he goes, this is a good day to die. He's an elderly chief. This is a good day to die. And he just lays there
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then it starts raining. And after a little while, he goes, OK, I guess it's not today. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> I haven't seen it. Oh, it's that, really it's a
1: great movie. But, you know, nursing home care, nursing home care, long-term care is first and foremost a conversation. What do you think is going to happen? What do you expect you want to have? What do you want to have happen? And a lot of people will say, I don't want to be a burden to my kids, so I'm just going to the go-, go to the home. Well, the people who have seen some homes, they don't want anything to do with those homes. Most people want to die in their own home, mm-hmm. which means your kids are taking care of you. And if you don't have kids... You need a plan Uh, because you need to decide what kind of care you want. And if, because if you don't decide, it's just going to get handed to you. You know, now if you have Alzheimer's or dementia, you're not going to really know. You're just not going to be happy. (laughs) But you know, I mean, this is a really important conversation now because we have outsourced so much in our culture. This is another thing that we have outsourced.
0: Yeah, I think it's <laughs> such a tough thing. We have some relatives who've been going through this lately, and uh, gosh, it's just really tough for everybody involved—not just the people going through mm-hmm. it, but those who are trying to provide care and help and assistance. It's it's really tough, and this is. And I'm not even talking about people who have done all they can to try and prepare for these things, yep. and it's still difficult, still tough because because you can't predict exactly how it's going to transpire and happen, and what the needs going to be exactly, and You know, and sometimes if it happens more slowly rather than it just being like one defining event that then triggers something.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You don't know how this is going to play out. You know, my mother is healthy, my parents are healthy, and my mom's always, you know, I wish you'd live next door. I go, Mom, if I live next door, I'd be helping you down the road a little faster. But (laughs) (laughs) because she wants to die in her home. And I said, Mom, you would be dying in your home.
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs>
1: so yeah, we have a, we have a lot of fun with that one, but you know it's you really do need to think about these things because if you are incapacitated, who cares for you? And here's the statistic: it's women nine times out of ten that either go to part time work or quit work altogether to take care of a parent. And so mm-hmm. if you don't want that to happen to your daughters or, or even sons you need to have a conversation about what this should look like. You know, if I'm okay, then I can manage by myself up until this point. This is what I want to have happen. But if it comes to a point where I can't manage my own affairs and things, I'm going to need help. Well, who's providing the help?
0: Great question. And uh, let that linger a little bit. Uh, Something else that would come up in an awkward conversation category is uh, those folks who have had their heart set on retiring at a certain date and then there comes the question, mm, do we maybe need to work a little longer than we'd planned?
1: That's really a tough one. And sometimes you, all I have to do is um, use some software to put up projections of or scenarios, really more scenarios. If you stop now, here's what the data is. Here's your Social Security, if you're taking Social Security, or if you're going to wait for Social Security. Here are your savings. What's the income stream? What does this all look like? Which a lot of people, because people don't think in numbers if I can put it in front of them that says, well, here's what this looked like. And this actually happened with a client. I put it in front of them and they and he just looked at it. He goes, okay, I need to work a little longer. I'm like, okay. Hmm. And then came back an- the following year and they had spoke at length about him retiring and he did. And they made the decision to live on X amount of dollars and they were totally happy with that.
0: Because okay. there's no so they went in with full eyes open. Though.
1: Exactly. So there's no right or wrong mm-hmm. answer. It's if you're going to go into a situation, go in with your eyes open.
0: Right. That's good to know. Have the conversations determine what's best for you. But you've got to have these conversations. Otherwise, the plan is doomed to fail. We see it with this nest example as well. You know, do the children understand your estate and legacy plan, how they fit into it? And the caveat there, if at all
1: children do fit into the plan. It's um, the question is usually, you know, sometimes best intentions just don't work out. Um, As I told my mom, because she made a comment about, well, I just want to be fair. (laughs) And I said, Mom, fair is not equal. And equal is not fair. So sometimes for some families, no matter what you do, it's going to get ugly. And so, Yes, children should know if, you know, hopefully you have a close-knit family. We talk about every stuff, all this stuff with our kids, so they're all on board. But some families don't do that. And then if you don't do that, it would be really good if you could kind of spell out what your intentions are or what your thinking is for the decisions that you've made. Because more often than not, it seems that when people pass away, the heirs go to war. Yeah. over what's there. And that's really unfortunate.
0: Did you read that on a, a fortune cookie, by the way? The f- equal is not fair. Oh, fair no, no,
1: but, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's just kind of a common sense thing if you stop and think about it, you know. Yeah. I mean, some of your children may not need the extra help. Some might need the extra help. If you leave the extra help, will those who don't need it be upset about that because those people didn't work enough? Everybody has different talents, different skills, different, you know, experiences. What's happened to them in life, and I would highly recommend people talk, you know, with their kids, so that you can kind of develop the plan, especially if they're considerable assets. You Mm -hmm. know,
0: I'm gonna that that sounds like we should rename the show to Fortune Cookie Financial. (laughs) Wouldn't that be? uh... I like that. Where we, where we just take fortune cookie sayings and then turn them into financial guidance. Wouldn't that be awesome?
1: <laughs> that would be good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> new new show idea. I'm logging that one in the memory banks.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Last but not least, Janine, one more awkward conversation we should uh, look to have here. Uh, how do we separate from an advisor who we like as a person, but maybe realize that they're not a good fit for us and maybe not as good of a fit as they once were?
1: Well, that's a very tough one because typically people are very invested, (laughs) to use (laughs) the, the most common word here. You're invested in that person or they're invested in you sometimes more emotionally than there should be. If they're not a good fit or they're no longer a good fit, you have to figure out why that's the case. You know, is it that they just can't, you're not relatable anymore? Because if the portfolios are fine, if the money is fine, if everything you're doing financially is fine, why would you leave them? I mean, I've had occasionally people come in from my classes and what they want is a second opinion, but they already have an advisor. And I say, go back to your advisor. Because unless you're willing to fire that person, why would you come and talk to me?
0: Hmm. And so that- What do they say? What do they say usually? Well,
1: you know, it's interesting. Some people, money's an emotional thing, or there's a lot of emotion around money. Let me say it that way. That-
0: There there you go, another fortune. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) 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 Because sometimes it doesn't make sense what this person's doing for you. And you don't really understand it. The person doesn't relate to you. He talks to the husband and not to the wife. So the wife feels left out. If you can't change that, you definitely need somebody who's on the same page in in terms of helping you co-create your plan. If you have an investment broker who's not a holistic advisor, that could be a problem for you. It might not, but if you need objective, well-rounded, comprehensive planning, maybe that's not the guy for you or girl. So it's very tough to separate. I actually, one of my clients had to do that when they came to work with me and the person was very, very upset with them. And I said, well, you know what? There's plenty of business in the world. She'll get over it. (laughs) But she really had them invested improperly. But... Not to disrespect her, it's what she was taught. So that's another key when you come into the business. How what research are you reading? Is this the broker mentality versus the comprehensive, you know, research based, evidence based investing?
0: Yeah, it's a good point that you make there, Janine. Too, uh, I think important to understand. You know, if an advisor is going to get upset with you, and their reasoning for why you're leaving isn't well, I'm concerned about your financial health. It's just more of like no, I like you, you know, like, or they just are offended or almost pulling at your emotional heartstrings over it. And it's not a logical argument for why, you know, no, your financial plan is structured as it should be. Here are the reasons why. Then that serves kind of as a red flag in its own.
1: Right, right. Because I mean, there are, and they call themselves advisors, but typically brokers don't advise on the money decisions around the money. A true holistic advisor does do that, works with you on those kinds of things and so it's important to understand what it is you're trying to accomplish
0: (laughs) yep well it's not always the most fun uh, type of conversations to have nursing home care death of a spouse working longer than we intended estate planning sometimes isn't the most fun thing to talk about but All of these things are really, really important. So if you aren't discussing them with your financial advisor as you're putting together your plan, that's a big big red flag and something that needs to be talked about and addressed. And if you have not talked about those kinds of things with your own advisor or if you've done a financial plan on your own in the past and haven't even thought about some of these things or put together a true plan that addresses them... Might be a good time to reach out to somebody like Janine who can help you put together a proper financial plan. If you want to talk to her about the best strategies to put in place for your situation, you can do that by calling 443-718-6311. That's 443-718-6311. Or go online to TheusWealthAdvisors.com. That's TheusWealthAdvisors.com. And we'll put links to get in touch with Janine, all the proper pieces of information that you need. In the description of today's show, we'll put the links that you need there. It's time to move along and get to know you a little bit better, (laughs) Janine. It's getting to know you time. All right. Always enjoy this part of the show, Janine. We talk about non-financial stuff here and uh, explicitly on today's question for you. Other than something related to the financial world, what's a topic that you feel you could give a one-hour presentation on without any preparation? So right now, you've got to give a one-hour presentation on something, what would it be?
1: Well, health and fitness and rehabbing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> rehab that was going to be my guess was rehabbing, rehabbing. yes okay <laughs>
1: i've gotten pretty doggone good at rehabbing
0: <laughs> as long as i've known you you've always had something you're you're tweaking and working on
1: yeah yeah you know it's just, I, I think it was my you know a lot of people know i had knee replacement surgery so but mm-hmm. <laughs> what's kind of funny about that is when i went for my one year checkup in august the docs you know straighten your leg straighten my leg bend your leg and i can bend my leg bend this knee Nearly as far as the other knee. And the one doctor's eyes just blew. He just got really wide and he said, I've never seen that. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, how are you able to do that? And I said, rehabbing? I know how to rehab. And I, you know, it's all about fitness and movement and, but not taxing yourself so greatly, but giving yourself time, but you've got to move. And so, yeah, I could definitely do a presentation on how to recapture. You know, yep. a lot of movement.
0: Well, I'm all ears because my right leg still doesn't extend as far as my left oh, leg no. from the uh, ACL surgery and stuff. So yeah, we're going to have to, yeah, uh, we, we have I, to we're going to have to, I'm coming to your presentation. Let me know what it is.
1: <laughs> I've got some ideas I'll send them to you.
0: <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. There you go. So, I love it. I think, I think we'd have a lot of signups to come here. You talk about yeah. that. <laughs> That'd be Fantastic. Uh, well, fantastic. That's great. Uh, before we wrap up today's podcast, I do want to make sure we get in a question from a listener, Janine. So let's turn to the mailbag. And I've got a question here from Beth. Beth says, my IRA seems like it's bouncing up and down every single day. And the roller coaster drives me crazy. Does that mean it's time to get out of the market and invest in a different way?
1: Wow, well, uh, no, it doesn't mean that. What it means is you should have an analysis of your portfolio done so that you can understand what we call the standard deviation, but I call it for client purposes, the roller coaster. What kind of, what roller coaster are you on? Cause maybe you're on the wrong roller coaster. And that's related to how, what the swings are in your portfolio. So once we understand that, that maybe your allocation is off, the diversification is off, and that's why you're swinging so wildly because the market moves. Every part of the market moves all day, every day. <laughs> So if you don't want to move that much, then maybe we need to look at how you're allocated and then whether you have proper diversification, because that will make a difference in the swing that you see. And uh, You just have to understand the market does move up and down all the time. I have a lot of people ask me, you know, what do you think the market's going to do? And I'll say, it's going to go up and then it's going to go down and then it's going to repeat <laughs> because that's what markets do. But we can... Minimize that swing that you know, and, and get you on a what's a less aggressive roller coaster by the way we allocate.
0: Oh, yeah, like the Scooby Doo coaster Scooby-Doo, instead yeah. of the hur- instead of the hurler. <laughs> <That's>,
1: <laughs> I like those. I'm going to keep those.
0: <laughs> those those are real. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And that's exactly you know that, that that's such a great difference in you know imagery.
0: Yes, you know. yes. It, the hurler was uh, Wayne's World. By oh. the way, it was as you're getting ready to get on the hurler, it's it's Wayne's World talking about the roller coaster and singing songs and, yeah. So. Yeah. And Wayne's World. I, I mean, Wayne's a
1: lot of people, and, and a lot of people, <laughs> and this led up to the 2008 debacle, a lot of people were on Wayne's World, or I mean, uh, were on the hurler. Yes. And they had uh-huh. no idea that they were on the hurler. So if that's not you, especially if you're getting close to retirement or in retirement, that is probably not where you want to be.
0: Right. Like my mom, she likes the Scooby-Doo coaster <laughs> now. She used to like getting on the hurler with me because it would, you know, she'd, it'd be, it was bouncy and rickety and fast. And, you know, she's like, woohoo, she'd get all giggly and this is fun. But now she's like, I think I'll just stick to the Scooby Doo oh, coaster. Oh, yeah. She once you're old pur- and
1: busted, you're, I'm okay with Scooby Doo.
0: <laughs> the, the little purple Scooby Doo coaster. It's brand new, so it's real nice and smooth, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Too so fine. that's really important. Well, good question. Yeah. Beth. So you've, yeah, yeah, you've
1: got to get in and, Get a portfolio analysis, a risk analysis, and try to understand. Um, and, you know, it's something we can we do all the time is how people understand what does that mean to you.
0: If you've got any questions like Beth just asked on the show, you can always, again, reach out to Janine with those questions, 443-718-6311, and online at theiswealthadvisors.com. Check out the description of today's show for a link to the show notes where you can uh, read about today's episode, access relevant resources, other episodes uh, that are related to this topic, and much more. Go to theiswealthadvisors.com, or again, just check the description of today's show on whatever app you're using and look for the link there. Janine, we always appreciate the help. Great chatting with you this week and uh, we'll look forward to another show soon. All right. Soon.
1: Thanks so much, Walter. Have a great day.
0: You too. That's Janine Thea. I'm Walter Sorhol. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time back here on Your Financial Mission.